Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But the longer you hold on to Mr. Barr and this report that Mr. Barr gave you as special counsel, your reputation will be damaged. As everybody's reputation who gets involved with Donald Trump is damaged, he's damaged goods, there's no good dealing with him, because you will end up on the bottom of a pyre. I yield back the balance of my time. Witness can respond. Yeah, my uh, concern about my reputation is with uh, the people who I respect, and my family, and my Lord. And I'm perfectly comfortable with my reputation with them, sir. Well said. God bless you. Um, the... Um Wow. That, was, that is one of the classiest and most eloquent FUs I've heard in my days on this earth. That is John Durham responding to a Democrat uh, Senator Cohen, who was trying to impugn John Durham uh, just because his report, painstakingly wrought over the course of several years, was sympathetic to some things Trump had said. And his response was... I only care what my family, friends, and God thinks. My reputation is fine among people I respect. That was the fu part, that and probably, it was delicious. Probably is more eloquent than I would have gone with a. Uh, that's not what your mom whispered to me last night, or something. Like that. Oh, see, yeah, that would not have. No, that would not have been. Or good. I'm sorry, I just got a text from your wife. I'll be with you in a second. Whoa, again with the shot. Uh so your takeaway. And it's odd to start with the takeaway, but your takeaway from what you're about to hear is that there is no country before team anymore. 
It's all about team. And the idea that the left of American politics would be just fine with law enforcement abusing its authority is sickening. You know, I've, I've said many times, I think the world needs conservatives and liberals. We need Marines and we need poets. We need men and women. It's, it's balance, the yin and the yang. It is weird, though. I, I'm reading the um, J. Edgar Hoover biography that is uh, really popular right now. And that movie I watched, The Highwaymen, talked about it, too. Hoover's got these things called wiretaps now. Um, he, as soon as that technology became available, he was enthusiastic about wiretapping anybody he suspected might even possibly be guilty of anything. And he would do it illegally all the time and did that for a half a century. And his name is on the FBI building, who continues it, apparently, it seems, to do that if they think you might be guilty of something. So anyway, my point was that uh, while I think there are various forces in America now and have been that go too far in criticizing and restraining law enforcement, I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're pushing or pulling in that direction to make sure law enforcement doesn't become abusive because that's a a never-ending challenge in government. The fact that the left of American politics has gone over to, we don't care what you do, just as long as our side is advanced. That's scary. And it's sickening, frankly. Having said that, uh, here's some more audio from the hearing. Um, I think it would be useful to hear Durham's opening statement and then hear some of the Adam Schiff criticism of it to illustrate my point. Michael, hit us with 32. It's lengthy, but worth it. Another aspect of our findings concerned the FBI's failure to sufficiently scrutinize information it received or to apply the same standards to allegations it received about the Clinton and Trump campaigns. As our report details, the FBI was uh, too willing to accept and use politically funded and uncorroborated uh, opposition research such as the state. The FBI relied on the dossier and FISA applications knowing that it was uh, likely um, material originating from a political campaign, a political opponent. It did so even after the President of the United States, the FBI and CIA directors and others received briefings about intelligence suggesting that there was a Clinton campaign plan underway to stir up a scandal tying Trump to Russia. So they ignored all of their own intelligence that this was highly flawed information and plowed ahead, and that was not acceptable for the FBI. Who could disagree with that? Well, Gerald Nadler does in 37. Nothing Mr. Durham will say today can detract from the fact that Donald Trump was indicted on 37 counts last week. Okay, that's his conclusion, that the FBI is abusing its authority. Uh, the horrifying Adam Schiff in 35. Uh, you said that it's not uncommon to get offers of help from a hostile foreign government and a presidential campaign directed at the president's son. You really stand by that, Mr. Durham? Saying that, it, that people can make phone calls um, making uh, claims uh, all the time that you may have experienced. Are you really trying to diminish the significance of what happened here and the secret meeting that the president's set, son set up in Trump Tower to receive that incriminating Information you're trying to diminish the significance of that, Mr. Turner? I'm not trying to diminish it at all, but I think the more complete story is that they met and it was a ruse and they didn't talk about Mrs. Clinton. So, digging into the report from the Washington Times on the hearings, 
Mr. Durham detailed how top FBI officials never, this is under oath, by the way, in, in open congressional hearings. He detailed how top FBI officials never shared with agents that the allegations were part of what he dubbed the Clinton plan intelligence, which was information the Bureau received from a trusted foreign source suggesting that the Clinton campaign plotted to vilify Mr. Trump by tying him to Russia. A great deal was known about that. Mr. Durham's team showed that intelligence to FBI agents working on the Trump probe, and they apologized, said Durham. Quote, I had any number of FBI agents who have come to me and apologized for the manner in which that investigation was undertaken. I take that seriously. These are good, hardworking, decent people. I think that typifies, exemplifies the concern here. There were investigative activities undertaken or not undertaken here, which really raised concerns about whether or not the law was followed or the policies in place at the FBI were followed. Mr. Durham said when his team showed the intelligence information to Joe Pientka, the first supervisor of the Trump probe known as Crossfire Hurricane, he indicated that he'd never seen it before that this originated with the Clinton plan. He immediately became emotional, got up and left the room with his lawyer. He spent some time in the hallway and then came back. Wow, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, there's a lot of this you haven't heard because it was buried in the news. Jim Jordan asked whether Mr. Pienka was ticked off because he should have had that information. And Durham replied, the information was kept from him. Well, I have taken in um, the mainstream coverage of this this week. And, of course, that was nowhere near there. Man, the ability for us to get to the bottom of things. Not good right now. No, because no. a couple of cable news channels are going to pick their their clips on their side and the other ones on their side. And just trying to get the full story is hard. So there's just a little more. Um, Durham's talking about the CIA finding out that the Clinton uh, campaign was reaching out to foreign governments to try to vilify Trump. And Durham said it's uh, which Schiff just described as a horror. Right, right. On the reverse. Right, exactly. Uh, Durham said the FBI personnel should have given the Trump-Russia claims more scrutiny. It's, quote, it should have prompted FBI personnel to immediately undertake an analysis of the information and to act with far greater care and caution when receiving, analyzing, and relying upon materials of partisan origins. All he's saying is they knew at the higher echelons, they knew it was Clinton campaign stuff. But they didn't tell the investigators that, and so they didn't proceed with the appropriate caution. Um, and then you had that Steve Cohen clip. You had a good reputation. It's ruined. Uh, Nad- Gerald Nadler of New York, who's one of the most despicable liars in the country. Thickest neck I've ever seen. And he's the top Democrat on the panel. He accused Mr. Durham of weaponizing the Justice Department by using his, quote, flimsy probe to harass Trump opponents and appease, quote, far-right conspiracy theorists. That's what you now get from the American left for saying, hey, the FBI was unethical and violated its own rules, and we can't have that. Far-right conspiracy theorists. Huh. So, um, the this is uh, Machiavellian. I'm not approving of this, but the politicians that are reading the room correctly, like Nadler is there, Biden's good at it, Gavin Newsom's figured it out, uh, Trump really figured it out. A bunch of politicians have figured out, I can say anything. It can be the opposite of the facts on a different 
page in the same newspaper. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any difference. My people are only going to hear what I said. So I can say anything. Jared Nadler can say that because I saw that on MSNBC. They didn't put it next to the actual report says the opposite of that. You realize. Mm -hmm. And nobody's like specifically denying the facts of that. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, All right. Not a joke. As I've said a million times, it's a miracle Republicans ever win an election. Because if you do that on the left, you are unchallenged. You will not be fact checked in the New York Times. Right. If you do it on the right, you'll take a hammering. But the 30% of the country that's with you, no matter what you say, they won't hear that contradiction anyway, as you point out. Uh Uh-huh. Because that is amazing for him to say that. Yeah, you can't be cynical enough about politics these days. There's no. no country before team, and there's no country before fundraising either. I hope I live long enough to see the whipsawing that will occur when the FBI, because this is inevitable, uh, FBI, CIA, somebody is going after a Democrat and breaking all kinds of rules. Because that's going to happen. They will meet at midnight at the top of the Washington Monument and exchange scripts. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. That is interesting stuff. Text line 415-295-KFTZ. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you mean you don't have a 15? We call for clip 15, you say you don't have a 15. I'm telling you. Everybody has a 15. Number 15 with pork, please. (laughs) We don't have 15? All right. Well, we're going to have to give away the punchline. I, I want to hear this. So It's the SBH at the center of the MW. The supermassive black hole. Well, how's that handy? <laughs> so it's one of those, we're going to play the sound and then like guess what it is or tell yeah, you what it is that, afterwards that, and be that very excited. That's my hope, yeah. Okay, but we don't have it. Okay, It would so be mystifying. It. We don't. Well, that takes all the fun out of this. Scientists have dis- detected a mysterious echo originating from the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way. A team in France, home of the number one pick in the NBA draft, estimates that this eerie sound was made approximately 200 years ago. And that it, the sound will shake you to your core. Your spinal cord will want to crawl out of your body and run away. This sound is so terrifying. Is this it? This is actually it? Ah, it's a, it's a Jamaican on the steel drum while I'm having a fruity drink. It's the background of a suspenseful movie scene. Or, or no, the Tinkerbell is flying around, uh, 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 casting her magic spells. Right, that's the, the black hole. And how many years did you say ago? They said 200. 200 years or 200 million years? Well, see, that's the thing. I'm, I'm holding in my greasy mitts a written account of this. 200. It's got to be well, like 200 light years or something. Right. Well, the light year is not a measure of time, though. So, uh, yeah, this is a bad, bad, stupid article. Oh, I see the website it's from. Yeah, the the website it's from is not great. Okay. Okay. It's only 26,000 light years away, Jack. Okay. Well, then it's more than 200 years old. Sagittarius A, the supermassive black hole. It's hard to wrap your head around the distance and time and all that sort of thing. Well, and my question is, because I'm about as good at science as I am ballet. Um, I mean, like real science. I'm good at the, you know, high school stuff. But um, is it a supermassive black hole? Why hasn't it like sucked everything in already? I'm not sure this is known. Yeah. From me reading kind of your pop physics books about this sort of thing there, there's an awful lot that that people yeah. there are theories but there's a lot that's not uh nailed down is there any substantial uh, opposition to the idea that black holes exist or is that just a, a truism of astronomy at this point i think that's accepted but like why we okay. haven't all gotten sucked into it or will we eventually or that sort of thing i don't think that's known can and I, I feel confident i can get through the day without knowing that but i am curious <laughs> right <clears throat> right not sure that will play a role in my day of uh, getting my kids to their various activities and feeding them and whatnot. Oh, to have the luxury to get hung up on that sort of question. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't even know what the rest of this means, so I'll spare you. <laughs> I've got a follow-up later on the whole men versus women in sports thing. That we got into quite a bit yesterday with the... Super out there pro trans crowd claiming that there's no men don't have an advantage over women. What are you talking about? 
That is so idiotic. One of the craziest things I've ever heard anybody try to say out loud. But good luck with that. And the fact that even a small percentage of Americans goes along with that is scary. Another Republican got into the race for president, Will Hurd of Texas, who I recall us playing clips and liking his act in the past. Former congressman. I don't remember real clearly, but we can get into his his deal because, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been staunchly saying, hey, let's not worry about polls right now. Let's listen to ideas. We have uh, lots of time. I'm the poll guy. He'll never crack one percent. And um, uh, so what's the point of finding out anything about it? Wow. Wow. Um, Bad American. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everybody agrees that the wider the field, the more it benefits Trump. I mean, because he just gets d- d- spread out that other those other votes and Trump with his solid 28 to 60 percent, depending on the state, will just roll through the nomination process, whether from jail or not. So we have a lot of good stuff next half hour, impactful, important, newsy, etc. cetera. Uh, but in the very little time we have now, I would like to communicate directly to the folks at Apple uh, Corporation, Cupertino, California, just down the road. Uh, number one, stop fighting the apple growers of Sweden for the right to use an apple as their logo. That's just idiotic. It makes you look like monsters. Yeah, they're not hurting you. Two. You've got to be able to snooze alerts on the iPhone. Okay? Yeah. Touch it to have it come back later. I agree. S- secondly, That's a good I actually, one. very early in my life, edited. I was an editor and a writer. You don't want to hyphenate things unless you have to. It makes it harder to read. Stop hyphenating every other line of my text messages. Go to the next line and have the entire word down there. Stop Hyphenating, you hyphen maniacs. <laughs> These are the things that make Joe angry. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sometime this hour or next hour, I want to get into the whole men versus women in sports, particularly around tennis. It was a big controversy a couple of years ago. John McEnroe, Serena Williams, stuff like that. But it makes some really good points today since the whole trans thing is so hot. So more on that later. I will stay tuned. Now I get, I admit, he's not quite as charismatic as some of us hoped. Ron DeSantis of Florida. Rob DeSanctimonious. I'm not eight years old. Can we stick with the ideas, please? Can we stick with governance? Not name-calling like we're children. Anyway, here's Ron DeSantis with some powerful ideas. Start with 28. So we need a new era of accountability with these agencies in D.C., and we will bring that on day one with me. You'll have a new FBI director. You're going to have the Justice Department cleaned out. Uh, right, I like that. It's worth noting that this was an answer to a question. He's been taking no questions from the press, which is surprising to me. Um, maybe because he's super great sparring with the press. That was one of the things that impressed me most about the. Dude. I I think he's being way too cautious. But y- your argument is, and you might be right. It's so early. I mean, hold your your keep your powder dry. You don't need to attack Trump. You don't need to take questions. And like for a month. Um, but I, yeah, I'm surprised he, zero bridges since he's good at it and he has the facts on his side. I'm surprised he's not taking questions. Everybody, I'm surprised he's not going straight after Trump. But anyway, um, he, the, you saw they heard the crowd response there to firing a bunch of government and ple- people, including the head of the FBI. Yeah, um, uh, it is possible he wouldn't be the first really good candidate to be overmanaged and and managed poorly. It happens fairly regularly. But he had more to say. Roll on, Michael. We're going to be reducing the footprint in Washington, D.C. We're going to be an edict to all cabinet secretaries to reduce the footprint of their agencies in Washington, D.C. by at least 50%. Fire people, attrition, send them to Dubuque, whatever you want to do. But we have too much accommodation of power in Washington, D.C., and we need to do something about it. So that's amazing. So I heard, I didn't hear this clip. I heard someone say, Ron DeSantis took questions for the first time in a, in a long time and said he'd cut 50% of the federal workforce. And I thought, awesome, that is, what a great talking point. Was He didn't say it that well. It took him three no. sentences to say four words. I'll cut the government well, workforce by 50%. He but he laid it out over such a long period of time. He's, well, he's, that's not he, what he meant, though. 
It's part of the whole, all the power shouldn't be consolidated in Washington, D.C. thing. That's why I said we'll send them to Dubuque, like the Department of Agriculture. Ought not be centered in Washington, D.C. It's ridiculous. Doesn't matter. He's he's way too particular with his with his uh, policies and the way he lays things out. In the Trump world, in the, in the modern, he just needs a quick line. I'm going to cut 50% out of government. Then if the details are what you just said, let, then let that come out or whatever, whenever you got to get into the conversation. But, yeah, I just don't think he's going to grab people's attention the way. It's, it's too bad. I hate to admit it, but when you're right, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, enough politics for the moment. Trump I ran these, on... Yes. I'm going to build a wall, make Mexico pay for it. And nobody, even people who never win with a message that soon, nobody believes that. I'm sorry. The control room is talking to me. Nobody (laughs) believed he was going to actually do that. It was just an indication. I care about immigration. DeSantis could have done the same thing with governments too big. I'm going to cut half the workforce. The details and people say he can't do that, but I'm glad to hear he's going to cut the government would have been the same result. Tribal signaling—it's the—it's the age of the spectacle, as David Brooks wrote in the New York Times. I thought it was a really good piece, but we have no time for it. I promise we get away from politics. But you nailed it. You nailed it. He's right, everybody. He's right. Uh, two things I found very interesting from the world of science. Number one, uh, scientists are studying the effect of chronic noise on your health. Mm, wow, great one. Traffic, airplanes, honking horns, uh, road noise, industrial noise at work, that sort of thing. And uh, anyone who lives in a noisy environment, like they give the uh, example of neighborhoods in uh, near a Brooklyn highway, may feel like they've adapted to all that noise. But data shows the opposite. Prior noise exposure primes the body to overreact, amplifying the negative effects. It, it stimulates the brain chemicals that cause inflammation in your system. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've got some practical experience with this because my youngest has a variety of sensory issues. And when he was younger, he used to wear, uh, we called them earmuffs, but they're headphones just to make things quiet. It's it's mm-hmm. just make things quiet. It's like what shooters wear at the range. And he would wear those a lot. He doesn't anymore because he doesn't want to stand out as like a weirdo. So he won't wear them even though he likes them. And I wore them several times. You would be amazed. Try it sometime. And, and it doesn't have to be a noisy environment like you think of like a busy freeway. Just put them on walking through a mall. It's so relaxing. You realize how much noise you are adapting to and blocking out. And you get that silence and it's like you're floating along. And it's so relaxing and comfortable. It's wild. I don't know why we don't all wear noise-canceling headphones pretty much always. Certainly in an urban environment, yeah. Yeah. So to to simulate uh, the sort of noise that people in noisy worlds get, they um, played dozens of uh, recordings of passing trains and planes overhead in healthy volunteers' bedrooms as they slept. They found the next morning the volunteers had higher adrenaline levels, stiffened arteries, and spikes in plasma proteins that indicate inflammation. That's something. Restaurant. I've done it in restaurants before where he had his headphones and put them on just for fun and the restaurant's so loud, you don't realize it until you put on headphones. We're surrounded by noise all the time. Yeah. I've I've, I've uh, been aware of this before, like, uh, you'll be in an urban environment. I remember doing it in New York City. Last time we were in New York for some talk radio convention, I need to make a phone call on my cell phone. And, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about it being loud until I went to make a phone call, and it was impossible just standing on the city street because just the cacophony of just regular noise. 
that you kind of block out and think you've adapted to. Yeah. Yeah. I found this particularly interesting because I my life's been a series of like moving to quieter and quieter places. I just crave it. And luckily, my wife's of the same mind. In fact, we'll go to look at a house that's like perfect in every way. And she'll say, nope, that road's too close. We're out of here. Oh, interesting. Not even thinking about it. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're good to be together. But um, just worth keeping in mind, we'll post this at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links. And the other uh, article from the World of Science I found super, super interesting, Scientific American, is the, you know how they can watch your brain light up and stuff these days with, is it CAT scans they use or... Uh, it doesn't matter. It's the imaging they use to see which part of your brain is working and in which way. Uh, they're now studying because they've always observed one brain at a time. But now they have ways to and they've thought of studying people's brains simultaneously as they communicate and as they create together. And what they've decided is the experience of, quote, being on the same wavelength is real and it's visible in the activity in your brain. Huh. Oh, da, 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 da. Uh, oh, wow. Much about the phenomenon of synchrony remains mysterious. Even scientists occasionally use the word magic when talking about it. Uh, the newest research suggests that synchrony is real. <clears throat> uh, it's a so long. So collaboration is a real thing. Not that that's that surprising, but I mean, there's something going on in the brain. Uh, yeah, when you're you've got that now we're cooking with hot grease feeling, it's because both your brains are lighting up like in sync in the same places and in the same ways that if you're just kind of hi, how are you? My name is Joe, etc. My name is Jim. That it doesn't happen. It's when you're clicking. Huh. That that it it it, it does that. Wow, and that's probably true uh in all kinds of different ways, including like you use the term clicking, like a relationship, maybe even the same sort of way. Your brains are kind of synced up on whether you're talking about kids or the future or whatever. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So neurons in the different brains fire simultaneously. And as the interaction continues, the timing and location of brain activity becomes more and more alike. The extent of synchrony indicates the strength of a relationship with brainwave patterns matching particularly well between close friends or an effective teacher and their students. And again, we'll post this if you want to learn more at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links. I found it super duper interesting. You know, obviously, we collaborate doing this show and fairly successfully, um, you know, making music with other people. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And we're getting closer to really understanding that on a biological level, which either will kill all the magic in the world or, I don't know, maybe it'll just be super interesting. Yeah. So we got on the topic yesterday of whether or not there's such a thing as men having an advantage. Yes, there is. Athletically. Yes. <laughs> that would be a yes, a hard yes, a non-negotiable yes. I ended up doing a deep dive on that and uh, it's some interesting stuff. Stay tuned for that. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, I don't even think this is a conversation barely worth having, but it's become a big thing in the news. I mean, it's a cultural battle now. If there's, like, any just intrinsic, uh, inherent advantage for men over women in sports. 
And we all know why we're having this conversation, because you got some trans men, trans women. What is, I, get, I never get these terms right. Somebody who was a man who's competing in women's sports, dominating high school level, college level. It's happening and it's become a real problem. And then some of the people who say, what's wrong with that, are claiming there's no advantage to being a man over a woman. And um, a good example of this, this is from a couple of years ago. I don't think we really got into this at the time. Uh, It was a controversy for like 72 hours. John McEnroe was on NPR right after Serena Williams won her last big tournament. And all the conversation was, is she the greatest of all time? And the conversation went like this. If she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. You think so? Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't think Serena's like an incredible player. I do. But there's, you know, the reality of uh, what, what would happen on a given day, a Serena could beat some, some players, I believe, because she's so incredibly strong mentally. But if she had to just, just play the circuit, the men's circuit, that would be an entirely different story. So... The context of that, that made it sound a little harsher than it was. So it's the day after Serena Williams. Everybody's talking about, is she the greatest of all time? She might be the greatest female of all time. And uh, and, and and this NPR person has John McEnroe, tennis legend, if you don't know that, on to talk about it and says, is Serena the greatest tennis player of all time? And he said, yeah, a greatest female tennis player of all time. And she said, why did you qualify it with female? Which was a little bit of a DB move. You don't need to do that. I don't think mm, I don't I don't think it's a DB move. Uh, I feel like you you could have left that out. It depends, you know, cuz I mean after the Nuggets won the world championship or whatever last week, you could have said the Nuggets amazing team, not as good as the 96 Bulls or the 15 Warriors, but still a very good team. I mean, I don't know, but you know, it's somebody's moment. I don't know if that's the time you need to have the conversation the day after Serena's blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's a different topic. Um, uh, he says she, female. And why'd you have to qualify it? Well, she's, you know, if you put her with the males, she's not the greatest tennis player. And he ranked her 700th, basically, among males. And so then he's on the CBS early show the next day and asked to apologize or if he would apologize. I'm yes. just waiting. Would you wait. like to apologize? Uh, no. Um, no. But I, 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 offer? I, I, yeah. the, the offer is this, is because it seems in tennis, unlike other sports, that they're always asking about how women, they always ask me how I would do for someone. Why isn't this old bag John McEnroe? How would he do against Serena? Why don't you combine, just solve the problem? I'm sure the men would be all for this. The men and women play together. And then we don't have to guess. But- uh, right. And so he wouldn't apologize because he said it's just factually true. I mean, it's just it's true. Well, right. Yes. There have been a number of times that men and women have played each other. Maybe I'll get to that in a second. But here's that same week, Serena Williams on Letterman discussing the topic herself. For me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose six oh six oh and five to six minutes maybe ten minutes because it's not, no it's it, true it's honestly, true it's a completely really. it's a completely different sport the men are a lot faster and me and um they they get they serve harder they hit hard it's just a different game and i love to play women's tennis and i i only want to play girls because i don't so want to be good. You can cut up. so in other words 
they're faster and stronger, which is the argument everybody's been making. Serena Williams herself saying I'd lose, and Andy Murray at that time was the top male player, I'd lose 6-0, in five minutes, says Serena Williams. And the good liberal news guy was like, oh, no, 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 come on. Trying to get her to back off of that clearly factual statement. So John McEnroe, attacked on NPR, asked to apologize, saying no, for claiming she'd be 700th. Serena herself says I'd lose 6060 in five minutes. I mean, that's that's unbelievable to me. So uh, part of this goes back if you're old. You have to be old to know this happened. One of the top female players in the world, Billie Jean King, played a guy back in 1973. It was called the Battle of the Sexes. It's the most highly rated, most watched tennis match in the history of the sport still. (laughs) There's never been any tennis match. She got more viewers than Bobby Riggs playing Billie Jean King, and she beat him. And so that was considered dumb deal. With the with the details, even at the time as a kid, I never. He was fifty five years old. Oh yeah, <laughs> he won. It was more P. T. Barnum than some righteous tennis contest. He was well. He claimed he could beat her. So I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but he won his first Wimbledon in nineteen thirty nine, and then was playing <laughs> her in nineteen seventy three, and she was young. Right. But I don't think I even remembered this the time the same year. He played Margaret Court, who at that time was the top female player in the world. Billie Jean King was not. He played Margaret Court, who was 30, when he was 55, and beat her 6-2-6-1 that yeah. same year. So Billie Jean King figured out that he's just old, and I'm just going to try to run him around enough. And he got old and got tired, and she just trounced him. Yeah. Um, so it didn't prove a dang thing, but somehow it lived on culturally as like... The best women can beat, you know, better, not quite as good men, or something like that. It proved absolutely nothing. Well, as any professional tennis player, like the greatest female player, Venus, told us, any professional golfer would say the same thing. It's self-evident. There's not even an open question about men's advantage. So there's only one reason people would run around, or two reasons they'd be running around denying it's true. One, insanity. They're just so dopey or crazy they can't see what's plainly in front of them. Or two, it's the ideological thing where they're forcing you to submit. If they can force you to say a man is a woman and there, or there's no such thing as a woman, then you are their servant. You are their, their, their terrified subject. And then not to make this all about tennis because I don't care about <laughs> tennis, but it's a decent way to measure this sort of thing. It's got strength and speed involved. It's um, as good as any, I, I suppose, yeah. Some guy from Australia, I don't remember his name, challenged Venus and Serena back in the 90s when they were really good, early 90s, and uh, and he was 200-something. He said, I could beat them both, and he played them both. He played Venus first and then Serena next and beat them both very quickly, and he he played a round of golf and drank beer before he did it, to make a point. <laughs> Wow, but um, but that didn't get near the coverage because it wasn't the result that it's exciting for anybody, and it's it's I don't I don't know how we even got into a situation where there has to be a conversation about this, where there's congressional testimony claiming the opposite, or I don't know. 
Yeah, do we? I wish we had handy the clip from yesterday. The activist from the so-called human rights campaign saying, "I don't know. I don't think men have an advantage. It's fine if biological men compete against women." That point of view is insane. It's stupid. It's indefensible. I feel like Serena Williams closed that argument right there when she was on David Letterman. Uh, we do four hours every day. If you miss an hour of the show, you can grab the podcast and listen at your own leisure. Speed it up, slow it down, do whatever you want. It's called Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.